0: Welcome to the Teachers on Fire podcast, where I profile agents of growth and transformation in education today. Each guest shares their highs, their lows, their passions, their goals, and the resources that are shaping their thinking and inspiring their practice. For show notes and links from each episode, visit TeachersOnFire.net. You can also follow the show at Teachers on Fire on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And of course, please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm your host, Tim Cavey. Let's meet today's guest. Today, I'm speaking with Julianne Ross Kleinman. Julie is passionate about instructional technology to support teaching and learning, sharing what she's learned with others, and community service, her focus for over 30 years as a member of Delta Sigma Theta Incorporated. Julianne formally started teaching technology in the 1990s, at which time she became an ISTE member. She's a frequent presenter at conferences and schools on topics including technology applications, integration and troubleshooting, rubrics and assessment, STEM, makerspaces, and room design. Her favorite presentations have involved co-presenting with her students on topics related to computational thinking using the Scratch and Scratch Junior programming languages. Julianne is currently an Instructional Specialist for the Ulster County Board of Cooperative Educational Services in New Pauls, New York. She is an ISTE Certified Educator, Apple Teacher, Certified Brain Pop Educator, Google Level One Certified Educator, ISTE Mobile Learning Network 2017 Excellence Award winner, and past chair of the ISTE STEM Professional Learning Network. And she currently serves on the ISTE Board of Directors. You can follow Julie on Twitter at JBR underscore Kleinman. Julie, you are so well credentialed. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Are you ready to talk education?
1: I am ready. Thank you so much, Tim. Wow, just listening to all that. No wonder I'm tired. (laughs) (laughs) Is that really me? (laughs) Okay, cool.
0: (laughs) Well, that's an impressive list. And I'm so thankful and grateful to speak with you. I think you are my first official a representative, we'll say, from ISTI. so this is very fun. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit more about your current context in education. Share with us what your work as an ISTI board member looks like, and tell us what else you're involved in at the moment.
1: Sure. Uh, so, well, first and foremost, I just want everyone to know that I'm a teacher. I'm a teacher, I'm a learner, and I'm a service leader. And what I mean by that is I like to help others lead towards success. Mm. For me, it's really important that the students are past the teacher. So currently in my role, I get to work with teachers, administrators, students, parents, I, as you said, I am the instructional specialist in the model schools department at Ulster BOCES. And that's right, it's a board of cooperative education services. It's a public organization in New York uh, created back in 1948. The whole idea is to provide shared educational programs and services to uh, districts. And so I'm part of Ulster County. I'm also a lifelong volunteer, a value that was instilled in me from my family, starting back with uh, church service, uh, choir, ushering. I volunteer with Gildas Club, Kiwanis, Logo Foundation. I volunteered with them for over 12 years helping to bring free events to families in New York and Connecticut, specifically around uh, scratch and scratch day events or robotic events. Currently, yep, as an ISTE board member, uh, my main responsibilities are fiduciary, as well as being a liaison to our members, and members is a really broad word. So there are a lot of people who are ISTE members, And then, last but not least, uh, the two things I think that I participate in the most through ISTE are the STEM Professional Learning Network. I am an outgoing chair. Right now, there's an amazing leadership team that's providing professional development to uh, members and non members monthly in the form of Twitter chats, webinars. And I am a co chair, or actually chair, of the Delta Academy, part of Mid Hudson Valley Alumni Chapter of Delta Sigma Theta. Uh, Delta Sigma Theta Sorority, uh, incorporated in 1913, has over 200,000 members worldwide, and I'm part of that local chapter. And one of the things that I am responsible for is Delta Academy, and that is uh, training middle school age girls in the areas of STEM and just helping you navigate being a middle school age girl.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's very cool. I love that. That last reference to the Delta Academy and the particular focus on girls. You know, I've heard Adam welcome speak a few times now about starting up a STEM club or a coding club in his school and seeing on that class roster, just one girl out of a, a list of 20 names or something like that. And, and we do want to encourage our girls to step out, to step up, to give Coding and STEM a try, even in contexts where maybe it seems like a, a boy's area, right? Uh, something that the boys have sort of seized onto for whatever reason. Yes. Well, just before we continue, it struck me, Julie, that you and I are so familiar with ISTE, but perhaps there are some listeners who are a little new to ISTE. So ISTE, ISTE, that's the word that we're saying. It stands for the International Society for Technology in Education. And they are a large organization that serves educators interested in the use of ed tech. And they are most well known, I would say, most well known for a massive annual conference that goes on at the end of June. I was blessed to attend the one in San Antonio two or three years ago. And thoroughly enjoyed it can't wait to get back and of course that's if I can be so bold maybe the flagship service that you offer is that fair to say
1: I I think most people know us for that conference and then the other thing that people typically know us for are the standards right right so the standards for students standards for educators leaders but we are branching out with a uh Recent acquisition of EdSurge. Oh yeah, and yeah, and so that's really cool. And the next thing that I think that people are really starting to know us for is ISTE certification. Mm. So taking a deep dive into your learning and uh, reflecting on what you're doing and how it relates to the ISTE standards. So we're trying to be a little more than just that. One-shot conference, and there are many conferences throughout the year now, and there's conferences within the conference. Uh, but I think you're right; the conference is still the thing that people know us well. I think followed by the standards, and now seems to be certification.
0: That acquisition of EdSurge is super exciting. I love. I mean, I'm currently subscribed to the EdSurge newsletter. I listen to their podcast. And uh, I love what's coming out from them. So that's, that just fits right in with the ISTE's mission and what you're all about. Well, Julie, I'd like to start with story time. As you know, I know you've heard a few episodes of the show. So would you share with us about a low moment or an experience of adversity that you've faced somewhere in your teaching or education career and then describe how you overcame it?
1: So, yes, actually, I was listening to Daniel Bauer. I hope I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. And he told a story and he used the name Marie. And he talked about Marie uh, trying to drop a pebble into the ocean of change. Mm -hmm. And that's why she was hired. But when she tried to do that, there was a lot of pushback. And I think he used terms such as trying to get run out of town and, and felt that was really sad. So I can't say that I've been run out of town but I can say that I've run out of some towns (laughs) and I can say that there were some mutual conversations that this was just the night, just not the right fit. Uh, So with that being said, I've been in many situations where, especially in educational technology, I was the only female. I was the only female of color. I was the only female who was more, academic-centered than IT-centered, and trying to help bring about that change where I thought that's why I was being hired uh, really met with a lot of pushback. And what it does in regards to a low moment is it starts to make you question yourself. You start to have that feeling of failure, that feeling of not fitting in because your views are different from what is, I say, the status quo. And uh, listening to Alicia Duell's keynote at ISTE 19, Failure, she talked about failing forward. It really spoke to me. And she thought that, you know, she was walking down the hall to get a job advancement. And they were saying, you're terminated. I said, oh, gosh, this like resonates with me or sounds familiar. And it it just says, what do you do? And I think that overcoming the failure piece for me is... Connections and you know, the other thing I should have said that's really uh, key with ISTE or that people know about ISTE are our personal learning networks. And so, for me to overcome failure, uh, first and foremost, my husband, who's my best friend, but my friends and my PLN members just help me keep it moving. And they remind me that, yeah, you don't fit into every circumstance, and that's okay, and that. There are times that we need to take that last minute job because, you know, landlords don't accept cookies <laughs> for, um, <laughs> for rent. But sometimes we have to be careful of those last minute hires and those high turnover jobs as a red flags. And so just keep it moving to get through those low situations. But I've been in many of them.
0: Well I'm so glad that you did as you say keep it moving and you stayed in the game you didn't bow out and here you are representing as you said in in some senses a visible minority in a a space that hasn't always uh, and and I'm sure you would say still needs to do better in terms of representing minorities and ISTI strikes me as a very progressive organization but I would assume even at ISTI right there is still some room for improvement so I'm glad you stayed in the game. You stuck around. You kept on going with the important work that you're involved in.
1: I think what's interesting uh, that's happened a lot of when I was failing at my job, I stayed with my outside organizations like ISTE, and I realized I wasn't failing there. So I said, "Well, this is, this is odd. Why, why am I failing here? but not feeling there. So everyone needs to have that outside support group.
0: Well said, Julie. I, yeah, I really like that idea. And I hear about stories of adversity or organizational challenge, let's say. And I think, man, when you have that PLN built and established and you have this network of professional colleagues that go beyond your building, it certainly does make it easier to ride out those storms. And, and I really like that point. Well, Julie, a lot of your attention has focused on STEM and STEAM education, so tell us why those areas of learning interest you, and where do you see STEM education moving in the future? So let's start with your entry into STEM education. How did that come about?
1: Well, what's actually funny about that is um, I didn't want to be a teacher, (laughs) and I wasn't interested in STEM nor technology, (laughs) and I fell into all of them. Uh, by somebody asking me if I would be interested in supporting uh, STEM projects. So, for example, I fell into STEM because of Simon Helton. He's the director of community engagement at ISTE. And at the time, the math and science network was um, kind of at a struggle. And he asked a few members he noticed were very active on the ISTE boards if the, When I say boards, it's discussion boards. If they would be interested in participating and being volunteers uh, with the, ste- with the sorry, it wasn't STEM at the time, with the math and science network. So Jessica Schupek and I became extremely close friends. She's like a sister to me. And we said, well, instead of math and science, how about if we call it STEM? And from there, we just started pulling people who we saw were very active, people who were interested. And we started talking about STEM. And it was at the same time that many teachers were saying, "Okay, they want me to be the STEM coordinator at my school. And I don't know what that means. Can you help me? And so we collectively just collaborated together to provide professional development throughout the year. And as I said, the STEM PLN has grown from 400 members to over 4,000 and has a really strong leadership team right now. I think what I love most about STEM is it's uh, it's PBL, uh, it's uh, computational thinking, it's problem solving, it's real world engineering design problems. It is finding solutions, and I love the integration of picture books uh, like Picture Perfect STEM by Emily Morgan and Karen Ansbury, or novel engineering through Tufts University, where people are using literature to help students get to STEM problems. I love AI, the incorporation of AI more and more into school. And I think the future, well, first, I think we need to look at our past to think about our future, looking at those inventions from the past, uh, the Great Wall of China, uh, Hanging Gardens of Babylon. We need to look at inventors of the past. And I think the future is leading more towards diversity, even in our entertainment, where we're watching fictional characters like Black Panther, but the whole movie is based on STEM. But then our real car- our real um, life heroes, such as the women in Hidden Figures. And I'm, I'm on a debate with my husband as to whether or not Harriet Tubman uh, incorporates STEM in what she's done, but we can definitely say she's a systems thinker. There was a huge problem that needed to be solved, and she had that empathy piece. And how did she go about trying to uh, move forward in helping to free others? So those are some of the ways that I fell into STEM, and I just love it.
0: That is awesome. And I love what you're saying about Harriet Tubman. I mean, we see those competencies of problem solving and sort of addressing problems dynamically. As you say, that's the heart of STEM and computational thinking, right, is uh, giving our learners challenges and saying, hey, you know, this is open-ended. How are you going to solve this? And, And those are some of those life skills that are going to serve them well not just in stem spaces but everywhere they turn in life so
1: everywhere
0: awesome stuff well we hear a lot about equity and inclusion in education today you just mentioned diversity but as an ISTE board member yourself explain what we mean when we use the term digital equity what is it why is it important and how can schools improve digital access for all learners
1: so i am an ISTE board member Uh, we speak as one voice So uh, the position and focus of the board is presented in public statements, and they're posted on the ISTE website. What I can share with you is what, uh, and point you to actually on our website, is the initiatives by our CEO, Richie Collada, and by the staff. And what we are talking about is DEI, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. And there's actually a website on ISTE, and uh, one of the quotes says, This journey is an ongoing process, working with our staff, members, and partners. And they actually ask, or we actually ask, that you join us and share us in your thoughts, and there's a place where you can give suggestions. So some of the things that ISTE is doing uh, with the access of equity is first, so I think when we think of access, we might be thinking of devices, devices. Uh, or network. And that's true. There are many places that are lacking still. And I know we're partnering with people to continue that conversation. But ISTI is also or, or more that academic piece. And so when we're talking about diversity, equity, inclusion, we're really talking about first, let's train our staff at ISTI. Let's have pilot programs such as a piloting a conference scholarship program so that we can bring in more people of color, more diverse people to our conference. This year at uh, ISTE 19, there was a equity action forum. And the whole idea behind the equity action forum was to for people to come around and unpack big issues surrounding diversity, equity, and inclusion with a focus on action. So there's that STEM again, right? That engineering design process. What's the action around the question? So there are a few of us in uh, group 10, and our project is called Growing Me. A blog post will be coming out soon, and you'll see all the names of the members, and it'll give you a little information. Growing Me is a mentoring enterprise, and what we want to do is mentor people of color kind of give you the, oh, I wish somebody told me this. Microaggressions are a real thing. But how can we help get you into education and help move you forward in education? It's important that students see people that look like them as well as people that don't look like them. This is where we live. This is our world. Everyone is not the same. Everyone has those diverse... um, understandings or diverse suggestions. And so that is something that ISTE is definitely working on to help move forward. So people can join by either becoming a mentor or becoming a mentee or giving other suggestions that they have to uh, ISTE, maybe in regards to speakers you would like to see or more activities that you would like to see that are focused around diversity.
0: It's such important work, and one of the things that has occurred to me in the last year or two even is that this important work of diversity, equity, inclusion doesn't happen by accident. It requires intentionality. It incri- it, it requires a plan, and we need to be talking about it. it. It's not something that will sort of just happen by accident if we're all nice to each other, right? So, <laughs> you know, I, I I look at my own school setting and and... We're not doing a good enough job of representing our students, as you say. And I think about you know the learners in my classroom and in the other classrooms around our middle school. And right now, we're not where we need to be. And so that only changes when leadership takes a concerted effort to put a plan into motion.
1: And that's important uh, important to me, as it's important to many people, as you said. Because for myself, I didn't see a teacher of color until I got to college. Wow! And yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't something that I didn't feel out of place or didn't feel out of place for me. I went to a small uh, public school, uh, and it it was a great setting, and I felt very comfortable. And we were all very collegial, and it felt like home. But it didn't dawn on me until I got to college, and I said, "Oh, wow, that's."
0: That's different. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're laughing, but it's sad, right? And, and yes. fortunately, it's a problem that is starting to slowly change. But yeah, it's it's an important conversation. It's happening everywhere in North America, and and it's high time. Well, Julie, as you look across your PLN and your own practice, what else is setting you on fire about education today?
1: Actually, there are uh, two things. One, and I uh, spoke about being ISTE certified educator. Uh, I am an ISTE certified educator. I just can't stop learning. (laughs) I love learning. But it's more the blended learning aspect of becoming a certified educator. And what I mean is when I go to conferences and I'll welcome people to the process and introduce myself as a board member and thank them for coming along, They'll they'll maybe come up to me after the fact and we'll start having conversation. So that certification process really helps people to be reflective in their practice, what they're already doing in regards to the standards, how they're helping students grow, how they're helping themselves grow. But it's a a great way to start a conversation with others. So that is something I'm passionate about. And I'm passionate about social-emotional learning in education. It's maybe it's a new word. Um, We have been talking about the whole child, but I love that we're bringing that back into education as well.
0: Emotional intelligence and the EQ is so important. And yeah, we could go on that one for a while as well. So, so critical, isn't it? And, And again, this is an area where things have changed positively a lot, even in the last five years, but we still have a lot of ground to cover. Well, you mentioned that you're a lifelong learner, you're hungry for learning, and I'm right there with you. How are you looking to grow professionally and improve your practice in the coming year? Can you share about a specific professional goal or a project or something else that you are currently working on?
1: Sure. So since I'm new to Ulster BOCES, uh, I'm looking to bring some events to the Mid-Hudson Valley area. I'd love to bring uh, Scratch Day events. There's actually a Scratch Day event happening at Teachers College right now. And I'd like to bring that up here. Uh, so bringing some Scratch Day events, uh, helping teachers understand what that means and helping them get started with that. Some robotics competitions uh, to the Mid-Hudson Valley area right now. Uh teachers and students are traveling quite afar <laughs> to participate in VEX or um, Lego robotics competitions. So that's something that I would like to help that's already been started by people before me. And I'd like to continue that great work. And right now I'm working on some AI uh, blended learning opportunities at Ulster Bosse's.
0: Very, very fun. On that topic of AI, Julie, this is maybe a, a tangent, but I've been excited in the last week or two to hear that the some of the smart autocomplete functions that have started appearing in Gmail are coming into Google Docs. And oh, cool! I haven't, yeah, I haven't seen those yet, but I feel like that is going to really transform literacy for for some learners as they, you know, as they put together communication and it, I'm hoping it'll be something really, really helpful for even some of my own eighth grade students, you know, the ones who are maybe a little slower to formulate some of their ideas. And uh, to me, that is so exciting. And people are, and maybe critics might say that, well, that's not really preparing them for the real world, but I feel like it is. I, I feel like that it is the world that they're moving into. And-
1: <laughs> yes. We have to recognize that's, our world is not what their world is or will
0: be. Yeah, super exciting. So AI is not something we need to fear. No. <laughs> Skynet hasn't taken over yet. Not um, yet. And, <laughs> and right now, it, it, it is really, really exciting to see how AI, in particular, is improving learning outcomes. I, I love it. Well, outside of education, Julie, let's pull back the curtains on who you are as a person. What's another area of learning for you? What is it that ignites your passions outside of ISTI and brings you alive as a human being?
1: Okay. So ever since I was a child, uh, again, like I said, this goes back to church. After church, there was always the opportunity for people to come together. And so my mother would always bake cakes. And my aunt is, oh, everyone who knows my that? aunt is the amazing baker in our family. But I would say that that ignites me as well. I'm not very far from the Culinary Institute. So I say one day I'm going to take a baking course. I love to watch all those silly uh, baking shows and cooking shows, but I would say baking is a passion of mine. And the other one is uh, motorcycle riding. (laughs) So I have a motorcycle, I have a license. I did have a fall because everybody usually does. And so it's taken me a while to get back on the horse per se, the iron horse. And so I need to take some more lessons and get back on because when I picture those beautiful days in Mid-Hudson Valley, I definitely want to ride around.
0: Love it. That sounds beautiful. You know, going back to the whole baking side and the connection with church, I grew up in, in the church life as well. And one of the the words that we would hear at church is a fellowship time.
1: Fellowship, stick yes. around
0: for the for the fellowship time. And you know, if there's some fellowship happening, there's going to be some. It's food. You know, <laughs> it's our code word.
1: And I don't know, but uh, Tim, I don't know about you, but church people can cook. I, that's just a thing. It's true. Uh, I, it's a, it's, a, it's just a thing. <laughs>
0: Julie, I am always thrilled to hear what different educators and leaders are doing to increase their personal productivity. So if you've got a habit or a hack or an app that contributes in some way to your success and allows you to get it all done, I'd love to hear it.
1: Okay. Again, I'm going to go back to PLNs. Sure. I think I could not have grown without a professional learning network. Well, first again, there's my husband, and because he's an educator, uh, most of the time I was elementary and he's higher ed and uh, high school. So a great synthesis of ideas right there. But outside of him, and even for him, we need to surround, or I need to surround myself with people who have gone through what I've gone through so they can empathize with what I'm saying, people who are just kind and can sympathize with what I'm saying. But then those people who have nothing to do with education and have a whole fresh pair of eyes on a, on a situation. And so we kind of call those people our newfound family. And so without them, I, I cannot move forward.
0: Well, I'm proud to have you in my PLN, Julie. And just having this conversation, I look forward to meeting in person. And I yes. thoroughly agree that... We've already touched on this, but there is so much power in that PLN, and I cannot be, I really need to sit down and make a list of all the ways that my PLN has shaped my practice, even in the last year. It really is phenomenal. So, I love that answer. Well, Julie, we're moving into your quick picks, and here we want to know the education voices and resources that are shaping your practice and inspiring your thinking today. So starting at Twitter, tell us about someone we should follow there and share why they've been inspiring you lately.
1: Well, I couldn't think of just one person, so I'm going to cheat on that. Uh, I'm going to say follow me because then you'll see all the really cool people that I follow. And I know there's even more cool people to follow, but I would say uh, also follow the ISTE STEM PLN. Uh, That's where you'll find some amazing educators to follow, and each day we keep adding more and more. So I can't just think of one person. Because there's so many people.
0: Sure, good answer. That's a good safe answer. You won't offend anyone. <laughs> safe answer, right? <laughs> and and is the Julie is the ISTE stem pln both a handle and a hashtag or is it one or?
1: It's a handle and a hashtag, but most of the time you'll hashtag usually if we're doing a tweet chat handle if you're, uh if you want to follow us at ISTE stem.
0: Fantastic. Next, point us to an ed tech tool that you currently love using somewhere in your practice. You mentioned a a couple of tools that you're excited about bringing into your area. Talk about that.
1: So, anyone who knows me knows that I am the Scratch programming language person and the Scratch Junior programming language from Tufts University in collaboration with MIT. So, Scratch is the Blockly based coding program that came out before code.org, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And it's an opportunity, it's a blank uh, canvas. So it's an opportunity for students to create animations, stories, games, uh, all through coding. So I love sharing it, but just outside of the program itself, it's a community. So as I was saying, at Teachers College today, there is a Scratch Day event because it's an opportunity for people to come together and not just talk about Scratch. Uh, and there are a thousand other peripherals like Makey Makey you know, that can connect and Legos that can connect with doing you know the virtual world and the physical world. But it really is that community. So again, I guess it's, it's another PLN. Uh, it's a community of people who just speak the same language and really enjoy coding of all different types and just like to come together and share that knowledge with others.
0: Awesome. Julie, recommend a book, one that you've been reading lately or perhaps one of your all-time faves and tell us why you recommend it.
1: Yeah, that's a hard one too. Um, But I would say as a teacher trainer, uh, the book that I would recommend to people that I always recommend is when you want to get started in educational technology, please purchase Learning First Technology Second, The Educator's Guide to Authentic Lessons by Dr. Liz Cole, because she talks about the triple E framework. It's meant to engage, enhance, and extend student learning. It's like a focused rubric that she has, the triple E framework. It's a short one pager, but it's usable. Uh, it, her, her webinars are fantastic. And I just think that's the best way for people to get started so that they could take a look at, is this really the tool I want to use, or how can I enhance my lesson?
0: That's a great question to ask, because in our ed tech space, so many of us as educators are hungry learners. We enjoy the technology simply for the technology's sake, and I don't think we need to apologize for that. But in terms of our instruction, we do need to discriminate. Yes. Right? We need to sort of separate shiny object from actual tools and resources that that have a, an impact on learning and so that sounds like an excellent framework to work through to just think a little bit more critically about our use of technology in the classroom and then people are listening to this podcast right now this is uh, this is coming out in podcast form and so for anyone listening what's another podcast that you enjoy And uh, tell us why you love it.
1: So George Venezuela uh, got me interested in podcasts. And so well he got me interested in you. So I've heard a lot of your podcasts. Thank you, George. Uh, And I I also love uh, Chris Wood's Daily Stem podcast. Yes. So yeah, so I enjoy listening to him as well.
0: Chris just models what it means to look at the entire world, not just the natural world, but everything around him with that that STEM lens of of how are things working? How can we improve things? How can we solve the problems we see around us? Just a really inspiring STEM person to be connected to. And of course, George, thank you, George. Uh, George appeared on Teachers on Fire as well and is currently in the process of publishing a new book, so shout out to George for that.
1: George is on fire.
0: <laughs> he is, he is absolutely on fire. Two more questions, Julie. Both about video. Tell us about a YouTube channel that you're subscribed to, and and maybe one that we should add to our subscription list.
1: Okay, so <laughs> aside from the, you know, let's all listen to TED Talks, and my favorite is Rita Pearson's uh, Ted talk about education and making that community relationships, but no, come on. I'm sorry. Jimmy Fallon. He's just hysterical. (laughs) So I can't stay up to watch him or Kimmel. Uh, I'm too tired, but there's just something about Jimmy Fallon. He can't stop laughing himself. It's infectious. Yes. Uh, he's funny. And most of the time it's appropriate for everybody.
0: (laughs) It's true. And of course we got to mention the roots.
1: Yes, yes, and, and that's true. And I love listening to all different kinds of music. But yes, I, I love Jimmy Fallon and the Roots.
0: And then the last one, Julie, I'm going to make the assumption that sometimes you just don't have any energy left in the day for anything STEM related or productive. What are you watching on Netflix right now?
1: So I'm not watching anything specific right now. It's more of the like, uh, okay, is this movie an hour and a half? Okay, I can last through that before I fall asleep. So the last one I saw was an oldie, but a goodie um, oh gee, uh, vantage point. Uh, again, that was an oldie, but a goodie. I would say the last series I saw was stranger things. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Another, another modern classic there. Thank you for that. Julie, this has been so much fun and, and you are such an inspiring education leader. What are the best ways for the listeners to connect with you? And of course the ISTE STEM PLN.
1: Well, uh, like you said, I do have a Twitter account, JBR underscore Kleinman. Yeah, that's a long name, K-L-E-I-N, M-A-N-N. I I also help to manage the ISTE STEM Twitter account. So that is at ISTE STEM. Um, Don't really have a blog or a website right now. Don't use Instagram that much. Facebook is kinda small, little population there. I am in uh, a section in Mark Gurro's book, a section titled The Vision. His book is The EdTech Advocator's Guide to Leading Change in Schools. And yeah, I kind of have all the remind and voxer and this and that, but let's just stick with Twitter. That's where I am most of the time.
0: Sounds good, Julie. Again, thank you so much for sharing your time with the podcast today. This has been fun and inspiring. Great conversation to have as I rethink my vision and goals heading into 2020. Take care and let's talk again soon. Thank you for joining me today here on the Teachers on Fire podcast. For show notes and links from this episode, visit teachersonfire.net. You can also follow the show at Teachers on Fire on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And again, please do subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Before we sign off today, I'd like to share highlights from around the Teachers on Fire community this week. First of all, on Twitter, I'll highlight Dina Lau at Hess Teacher Est who tweeted, quote, teachers that are really doing some awesome things are at Mr. KV with the at Teachers on Fire podcast. Highlighting the awesome teachers on that podcast does wonders for my soul at A W French one and at Julia Fliss are always lifting others and making my life more joyful. End quote. And thank you for that, Dina. Of course, she calls out Abigail French, who is a recent guest on the podcast, and at Julia Fliss, who will be a future guest. So again, a fun little club of, let's call them alumni, Teachers on Fire <laughs> alumni that is forming. And of course, I love it. I also want to go over to Instagram and highlight one follower there, Michelle gonzalez Girth. And I hope I'm saying your last name correctly, Michelle. She's at michellehacksedu, and she wrote, I listen to yours every week, and maybe I'll stop for a moment. I should set this up. I posted on Instagram a screenshot of a poll taken from Twitter, and the poll asked, what's your favorite source of inspirational education content? And I offered choices of blogs, podcasts, and vlogs on YouTube, and podcast was far and away the winner. So back to Michelle's comment, she wrote, "I listen to yours every week," meaning podcast, and I've also added several from your suggestions. So incredibly grateful for this community and commitment to share knowledge and information. Well, that's exactly my vision, Michelle, and I'm so glad that you're finding value in the podcast and you're also listening to others. I am quite a frenetic listener myself, and so I heartily endorse that behavior, (laughs) if you could call it that. Over on LinkedIn, Daniel Bauer wrote, quote, Tim Cavey, thank you for having me as a guest on your show. You are a class act, and I enjoyed talking vision, leadership, and education, end quote. Well, thank you for those kind words, Danny, and of course, I thoroughly enjoyed that episode with Daniel Bauer. What a visionary. And then on YouTube, don't get a lot of comments over there, but this week I did publish a vlog post, kind of a first for me, and it didn't go perfectly, but it sure was fun to make. Well, Dan Krinus at Leader of Learning, that's the name of his channel, Leader of Learning. He's got another great podcast by that name. He wrote, great reflection for the first in a series of vlogs. Looking forward to seeing more and hearing what your one word will be for 2020, end quote. Well, thank you for that, Dan, and to all those who have read, viewed, liked, replied, retweeted, or otherwise engaged with my Teachers on Fire content on all of these platforms. Thank you so much. You were the fuel to my fire this week. Educators, I also want to remind you of the Teachers on Fire magazine on Medium. This week, we featured a piece called Treat Yourself with These Books from the ISTE 10 Leadership Team by Dr. Samantha Fesich at S Fesich on Twitter. That's S F E C I C H. Next, we published a piece called R is for Reflection by Lynn Thomas at TomLynn101. That's at T H O M L Y N N 101. We also published a piece by me. Well, it's about time I wrote one myself, and I published Looking Back on My One Word 2019. That was, again, a fun look back on my goals of creating content, new learning, and new relationships. And then finally, a, another piece called Flashcard Factory. A POG Hero by Tammy Breitweiser, and she can be found on Twitter at TLBright, that's T-L-B-R-E-I-T. And by POG, of course, Tammy is referring to Portrait of a Graduate. Of course, more and more schools are coming up with this portrait or this description of what do we want our graduates to look like at the end of grade 12, what sort of skills and values do we want them to embody? And so she writes about how some of her recent work fits so neatly with those goals for their graduates. Well, the Teachers on Fire magazine is a Medium publication and you'll find it on medium.com or on the Medium app. If you're already an education blogger, you could consider joining our growing writing team there. You can, of course, continue to publish content on your own blog, and you keep full credit and ownership of your content on Medium. Message me at Teachers on Fire on any social media platform for more details. I want to leave you with this quote from my reading this week, Teachers on Fire, and it's from a book called Dare to Lead by Brene Brown, at Brene Brown. And she writes, quote, the courage to be vulnerable is not about winning or losing. It's about the courage to show up when you can't predict or control the outcome," end quote. And really, I think that quote speaks so well to this whole activity around content creation. Whether it's blogging, vlogging, or podcasting, there's some courage involved because you can't always predict or control the outcome. You don't know if your content will be received. You don't know if you'll be trolled and hated on. or if people will genuinely find value. But nevertheless, we go out and we try. That's what I've done here in this podcast and I'm moving into other areas as well and I encourage you to do the same. As you think about 2020, you too have a message to share and I would be happy to partner with you. So keep me posted, tweet me, tag me, let me know of your plans and trust me, I will be genuinely excited to hear that you are taking action. Again, I am your host, Tim Cavey, and I'm so grateful that you decided to spend some of your day listening to this podcast. I hope that in some way, the content you heard from Julie Ross Kleinman ignited your thinking and inspired your practice. And I'll meet you next week right here on the Teachers on Fire podcast. Take care, have a great week, Merry Christmas, and happy holidays to you.